Welcome to Phoenix Rising. I am your host, Kaylee Montoya Houston. I am a certified personal trainer and online nutrition coach. I will be joined by my co-host, Julie Montoya Houston. This show will cover all aspects of fitness, including nutrition, exercise, and mindset to help you reach your goals at any stage of your journey. We will bring you science-based information to help you take charge of your fitness goals and give you the power to rise like a phoenix. Welcome back to Phoenix Rising. I'm not even going to say what episode because I don't know, but Coach Julie is joining me here today. 88. 88. There we go. Okay. But there's, you got both of us today. We're just going to kind of drop our opinion on something that was just released. Well, not just released. Maybe it was a couple weeks ago now <clears throat> about the American Academy of Pediatrics. They issued a comprehensive guide about everything okay. Sorry, guys, we got a new mic, so we're just kind of running through things here, so I'm not blowing out your eardrums, basically. But we want to talk about obesity in adolescents and children and kind of the new guideline that was dropped, and it definitely got our hackles raised about it. I don't know if you've heard about it, but we're definitely going to discuss it today, and I mean, you're going to get to hear our opinion on it. We're real pissed about it. <laughs> All right. Well, what, what are you the most pissed about? Well, why don't you tell them what it says first? Okay. So I have it pulled up just so I make sure and read it correctly. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it is long. But it's basically evaluating the guide of how to treat children with adolescence and obesity. And I'm just going to read the steps. So the first part, I mean, I'm, I'm in total agreement with when it comes to um, comprehensive obesity treatment may include nutrition support, physical activity, behavioral therapy, and then it goes to pharma, pharma, pharmacology. No. Where are you? Right here. Pharma therapy. Pharma. Pharmacotherapy. Yeah, I've never even heard that word, but I'm sure that is treatment with pharmaceuticals. And then metabolic and bariatric surgery. So this is where we start to um, have some very negative feelings about it. And simply because... I mean, I've worked hand in hand with clients that have struggled with this and have had some kind of gastric bypass surgery or something like that. And I know the repercussions that come with that. And as far as never being able to eat the same, you can no longer absorb proper nutrients. There's all kinds of issues when it comes to your, your gut health and your digestive health. And a lot of times that kind of surgery doesn't fix anything as far as your mindset when it comes to being able to sustain weight loss. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of things that I find that are wrong with this. Um, I think the underlying premise is there and I think it, I think the premise is well intended. I think the premise here is that long obesity long-term can lead to very serious detrimental health effects. And so getting a child out of the obesity category on a BMI, because the medical community still uses the BMI scale. Yep. So getting a young adult or a child or a teen out of that obesity range on the BMI scale drastically reduces the long-term effects of obesity 
and you know the the consequences that come with that. We see a lot of things: cardiovascular disease, cancers. A lot of these comorbidity. I'm sorry, obesity is a comorbidity to a ton of illnesses and diseases. So I see the premise here, and the premise itself. I mean, when you really break it down to the very, very basic, essential premise to it, it's it's good in theory. However, the 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 goal here to get kids out of this classification quickly to save on you know the long term detrimental health effects, the journey there is now very very skewed. Absolutely. Um, I mean, when you start talking about fat loss medications and fat loss surgery for children that aren't even allowed to make, I mean, granted, yes, their parents would have to sign off of it. It's not like they're walking up to a 12 year old and saying, Hey, I'm going to do gastric bypass on you. And they sign it away. Right. The parents have to approve this. However, some of these parents are parents that maybe haven't had the surgery themselves and haven't had the detrimental effects that we have seen in a lot of our clients. Absolutely. I don't think there's enough information provided. When you go to your healthcare provider, now I have never spoken in person with anybody that I know about one because I obviously I don't need one, but I would really like to because I want to see what they tell people of I mean, I know they offer this quick lose 100 pounds in a year type situation where you're going to get this, you're going to reduce the size of your stomach like to one third of what it is and you are physically incapable of eating large portions. What they don't tell you is you have to blend up your food and eat only liquid for like months Mm -hmm. when you get done with this. And then you can no longer eat more than like 200 calories in one sitting. So now you can't ever enjoy a nice meal out or just a a decent sized meal. You're having to eat snacks all day long to try to get proper nutrition. And I mean, I'll give the example of one of my clients currently. She struggles to hit 800 calories most days. And she still has yet to reach her, her weight loss goal. Like she still feels like she has a ways to go but she can literally go no further. I mean, she can't eat less than that, but her body has become so adapted to those calories. And you have so many other things that you're going to struggle with besides your weight loss when you have this. Like she has kidney issues. Uh, She's had had to have her gallbladder removed, which is a very common thing. They say once you get gastric bypass, usually your gallbladder ends up getting removed within a couple years after that. So there leads to more surgeries from that point. There's just so many other things that I feel like they don't make very clear. I think this is something, though, that, and and I want to tread lightly here, because I think this is something that a child, I don't believe a child should ever undergo any type of surgery unless it is absolutely medically necessary. And I don't feel like this is absolutely medically necessary. I feel like what is absolutely medically necessary is maybe a dietitian or a nutrition coach working with these parents to teach them how to teach that child to eat. It should be a family. Absolutely. That child's not going to the grocery store and buying food. That child's not taking themselves to a fast food place and buying them a burger. They're eating what is being provided from them. Education needs to be given to the parents so those can be passed down to the children. Right. So we're going to take these children and put them on weight loss medication or give them a weight loss surgery 
where they could have implications, like the side effects of these medications could be horrendous. Right. I mean, aren't a lot of these like do they're in the ephedra yeah. category? If I remember, if I, That's what I thought. when I did my classification, they work like ephedrins. Yeah. Now I know some of them nowadays. I know there's some like Wagovi, and there's a bunch of others that don't have it. But then they also have a lot of side effects, like may cause cancer. <laughs> well, I was actually reading a study the other day about the Wagovi and mm-hmm. the uh, is it Ozempic? Is that the other one? I believe Ozempic. Yeah, the shot. Ozempic yeah. is the shot. So here's the thing with those: is somebody's doctor gave it to them to help pull them to help them lose weight to get them out of the pre-diabetic. This is an adult. We are talking about an adult now. And then. They actually said, hey, I had to come off this medication and my binging was 20 times worse than it was when I went on it. So it's kind of like PPIs. You yeah. are, you get that tried fold when you get, right. have to come off of them. Right. But that's a side tangent. So let's get back yeah. to the kids Sorry. here. So these, these children, it's their body. Yes, their parent is there to be the liaison and to give the permission, but... The child has to live this. And the problem I see is, yes, you're getting the child out of that obesity category. This is where that quick fix mindset comes in that we have right now, where nobody wants to wait for anything. We want the instant gratification. Absolutely. We want to get this child out of this obesity classification so quickly that we're willing to do surgery and medications to get them out of there. But here's the problem. I have a person that I was friends with. I mean, I'm still friends with it, but we're not close anymore. But they actually went to Mexico to have a gastric bypass done. And now this person does not even look like they ever had gastric bypass. They've already gained the weight back. Which they tell you, I mean, it's possible. You can restretch your stomach back out. Right. So what I'm saying here is if you give that child this weight loss surgery, You're teaching them nothing. This is what we talk about, how we don't like Jenny Craig and Weight Watchers because you can do it, but they don't teach you anything. So as soon as you stop doing it, you gain weight back. So you give this child pills or a surgery, they have learned nothing, and then they go out into adulthood with the same shitty eating habits that they had when they lived at home with their parents because that's what their parents taught them. Mm -hmm. Maybe not intentionally. I'm not saying these parents are doing a shitty job. I'm saying... The parents they don't know any don't, better either a lot of times. Exactly. The parents don't know any better either. So starting with education is much better because that child's going to go out into the world and have still zero knowledge about it and they're just going to gain the weight back. So all we've done is buy them a few years of quote unquote skinniness. Mm-hmm. We're not teaching them anything. And then you have the kids too that are struggling. They're eating their feelings like they're binging because mm-hmm. they're hiding something yeah. Deep down emotionally, those kids aren't going to, they're not, you can't surgery and medicate with these type of medications, their feelings away, their depression away, their anxiety away. Absolutely. It has to be treated like all encompassing. And I know there are, there are certain situations. I mean, there is such a thing as um, the gene for obesity. Now, we I'm going to speak likely. That. I'm very likely or very unlikely on this. I mean, it's like 0.0%, 0.01% of the population where there could be a child very young, three, five years old, eating very, what one would consider very healthy foods, very small portions, and they are in an obese category. This is very rare. Like, I always want to to admit that there is a case where genes are involved, but they're not nearly as involved as what people think. Like, I know you say all the time, 
genes load the gun, but your habits, your lifestyle, your situation is what's going to pull the trigger on if you're going to become obese or develop some of these other diseases from the side effect of being obese. Yeah, the whole genetic thing really irritates me. And I, I, under, I have read the same study that you were sent by our nurse practitioner that yes. we partner with. Yep. Um, and But you are right. It's like 0. 0.001%. Yeah, very, very, very small. So the chance that you or I would come upon somebody like this as a client is so rare. I, I would probably win the lottery first before exactly. we did that. So here's what I'm going to tell you. Nobody, and this is me, and if in a few years it comes out that I'm wrong, this is on record and I will gladly say, hey, I was wrong. I learned something new. Mm-hmm. As of right now, you are not, you are not, you do not have any sort of disease, condition, or illness based on your genetics. Because if you do, if, if I have a client right now that says, oh, I just found out I'm diabetic, but I'm 50. My mom was 55 when she got it too. So it was just a matter of time. That's bullshit. If it was truly genetic, you would have had it. If you didn't have it when you were 10 years old, it's not genetic. Right. Because, I mean, there is type 1 diabetes that you you have from From birth. Yeah. And that would be some sort of genetic because it's in the way your body is built. Absolutely. There's a doctor I listen to all the time, and this is where I get this from. The doctor that I listen to all the time says this. He says, I have cancer in my family. But just because I had family members with cancer doesn't mean it means that I may have a gene that makes me more likely to develop cancer from his choices from his from my choice environment but if I didn't have cancer at eight ten years old then it's not genetic right you're pre maybe predisposed to it like you have a genetic disposition that makes you more likely to develop it based on your your conditions or whatever but that doesn't mean you're going to have it. Right. My grandma lived to be 90... Two? My grandma lived to be like 92 or 93. And as we learned from my ancestry, my her father dropped dead of a heart attack. And I believe her mother also had a heart attack. And they were in their, I think, 60s or 70s. Mm-hmm. My grandma lived to be 92 or 93. But the woman never smoked a day in her life. She didn't even drink alcohol until she was an adult and like a grown adult. Like she started having jello shots at my brother's wedding here and there because by then she said, what the hell? I'm in my upper 80s. (laughs) Like she just didn't. Now, as far as eating, she ate what people call good old home cooking, which was probably a lot of fat, a lot of carbs. The woman would eat a baked potato and a Pepsi for her dinner. But she was also very active. She worked until she was in her 80s. If all this stuff is genetic, she would have had a fucking heart attack. Right. She never did. Exactly. It's it's how you live. It's how you live your life. Absolutely. Hey, guys. I just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening. And if you're enjoying this show, please do me a huge favor and take a screenshot of this episode and share it to your story on IG or Facebook and tag me on IG at Kaylee Montoya Fitness or on Facebook at Kaylee Montoya Houston so I can reach out and thank you personally. Also, if you haven't already, don't forget to rate and review us on wherever you get your podcast from. This greatly helps the show grow so we can help more people reach their own health and fitness goals.
And I think just the point of this rant of ours is just, like Julia said, we can't go through life seeking those quick fixes and being disappointed when they don't work or it just all comes back. And I think when it comes as far as children, you have to be even more cautious because of what you're teaching them, the side effects of all these medications, the side effects of this surgery when... I mean, you are literally, as a parent, making that choice for them. Yes, I know you're doing it out of, out of the, your love for them and the goodness for them, and you want them to be healthy and feel better. But overall, you don't know what those long-term side effects could be. Now, when it comes to a situation where I think gastric bypass can be needed is when it's a life-or-death situation. And I'm talking about, like, when you watch those shows like My 600 Pound Life or something like that, where you literally have maybe a year or two left to live unless you lose that weight. Most thankfully, I mean, I know it's getting very bad. Most children are not in that case. Yes, they can develop type 2 diabetes, which is not a good thing. But with a change of diet, you can quickly reverse that too just by dropping, what, 10% of their weight? Like You don't have to drop 100 pounds to avoid type 2 diabetes. Like you can literally drop 10% of the weight you are right now and improve your blood markers and start seeing your health improve before a huge drop in weight loss. That way you can do it the healthy way, the smart way, in a way that you can sustain it. Well, here's another another reason I feel like this this whole thing is asinine because the system is so fucking broken and this this is totally asinine. I, I can't even say that. Let me just say it for the third time. This is fucking asinine. And here's why. So a former employer of mine was wanting to get gastric bypass. And in order for his insurance, now he was a grown adult. In order for his insurance to pay for this surgery, he had to go like for six weeks to these classes to learn how to, it was either, it was like a combination of like counseling, but also like a class on how to eat. Like and a nutrition class? Kind of, yeah. So they had to do like six weeks of this and then they had to do a couple other things and they had to do weigh-ins and stuff. And he would go every week to these classes and every week he would, he would do it on his lunch and he'd come back in with Taco Bell on the way through because all he had to do was show up to this class to fulfill <clears throat> the obligation and they would do the surgery. So for adults, in order to, for your insurance to pay for this surgery, you have to take these classes. But mm -hmm. for a kid, we can just sign on the dotted line. Like, make these parents go through these fucking classes, but make them actually, like, I, I guess you can't watch them cook meals and stuff. But unless you're going to do something a little more proactive proactive like you do with these adults i mean obviously with the adults there's they're cheating the system still too because right. quick fix and laziness basically yeah. you know mm -hmm. like because you're going to go to these classes and spend your time doing that but then hit the drive-through like what the hell like if you're gonna if adults are going to do that that they're going to do that for their kid too if they're but i would like to think that most parents are going to be more proactive and more willing to do something a little extra for their kids than just right. go just just tie their stomach up i'm fine with it yeah that seems absurd to me like if you have to jump through all these hoops as an adult why are you not making these kids and these parents jump through these hoops teach them how to eat and maybe we should start with also 
dare I say, reforming the the lunch programs in school. Because a lot of the food there is not super healthy. A lot of it is com- like processed meat that's not even real that comes from a freezer. Like, well, and how about bringing back recess? I didn't know that recess had gone away. Very, I think they've shortened it and gotten rid of one. I know a lot of schools and a lot of districts, they barely rarely get to go outside for recess now. I'm talking about like younger kids. Yeah. yeah I mean, a lot so, of gym programs have gone away simply because they can't afford it. So they don't even have like a gym class now. Everything's sitting inside. Yeah. So when I was in school, now this has been a hot second. I'm not going to date myself, but we had mandatory gym class. We had in elementary school, we had three classes. We had computers, music, and gym, and they alternated. So every other, every third day or whatever. But we also had two recesses per day. And then of course, lunch. But when we got to middle school, it was mandatory that we took a gym class. And it was an hour and a half every other day because we were on the block schedule. So we did like even classes one day, odd classes the next. Mm -hmm. And in those classes, they would teach us things like, well, in my class, my gym teacher was amazing. She would teach us everything from shave tips for shaving your legs to, you know, menstrual issues to whatever. Plus, we would still walk and be active and when I got to high school, as a freshman, you had to take one more PE class. It was required. And then after that, you could sign up for electives like weight training and stuff like that. Yeah. But when I got to my freshman year in my PE class, I had the head football coach was it was girls and boys then, unlike junior high where it was split. And he would sit down and he would test us about the rules of football and he would draw a diagram and we would have to name the positions on the football field. Why weren't we learning how to eat? Yeah. It's because a football coach was coaching. <laughs> well, he why. would, I mean, he would do it with all the sports. We would go through cycles of all the sports and he would teach us how to play. And then he'd teach us how to play. Like we played pickleball and then we would get out the scooters and we would have scooter races or whatever, you mm-hmm. know? So we were actually active because we would do these. He would teach us about the sport. We'd play the sport. Then he'd test us on it. So the activity level was there. Well, and I'm sure, I mean, I think they need to further education, but I'm sure they have no background. I mean, they're for physical education. So when it comes as far as nutrition, they probably don't have very much information to provide. Because he wasn't the typical coach at the high school where they're teaching math or history. Mm -hmm. He literally was just, he was the athletic director, the football coach. Yeah. And then he taught PE and then weights. But even in high school, though, if you wanted to learn anything about nutrition or anything like that, you had to take the family and consumer sciences class. The problem was, is if you wanted to do anything like woodworking or band. Same time. Same time. And there were no other options. There was one class and one band class. And I was a band kid. Yeah. But I was I was lucky, though, unlike some of these kids that are having this issue. My mom taught me how to cook. My mom taught me how to eat. Now. My mom also grew up in a house where they had those good old-fashioned home-cooked meals where it was like mashed potatoes and cream gravy. And, you know, the stuff that's you think is a good old-fashioned home-cooked meal is really, really fat-laden and carb-laden. But I still always had a vegetable when I ate. She always bought me fruit. Um, so I had a better advantage than most of these kids. You know what I mean? My mom... Did we have some processed foods in the house? Yes, we did. But most of the time she cooked from scratch. 
but she doesn't even now, I mean, she works with us. She doesn't know. She didn't learn carbs and protein and all of that. Right. She just did her best to make sure we had a veggie, a protein, and that we got fruit in. Yeah. And But that's more than a lot of these people have. Absolutely. And, and I know in some situations, like I know we talk how poorly we feel about this finding and this new whatever they're calling it what are they calling it the guidelines for treating yeah this but i know there's certain situations and certain income and households that just don't have the education don't have the the finances in order to (laughs) eat in a more healthy way i don't know if you can hear our dog in the background sorry about that he is trying to tell us he wants to go o-u-t oh he learned how to spell (laughs) Whoops. Yeah. Um, but there are certain cases where I think people need more help, more. I what like like I know Julie and I we haven't talked about it yet, but I mean we've talked about it with each other about creating a program for local use. I thought you were going to say creating a family. I was like, no. yes, we have talked about no. that. No, of creating a local program for maybe underprivileged youth here in a local community that educates them about all kinds of things as far as nutrition, fitness, mindset, community, I mean, giving back and things like that where they can come to learn and be educated on their own if they're not able to have that in their household. And I think there needs to be more opportunities like that for people who who can't afford it or aren't gifted that way. Yeah, this is definitely... I feel like we have gone from like this whole American, what is it? American Academy of Pediatrics. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is there. They should be a meme right now. Well, that escalated quickly yeah. because we just went straight to, okay, here's some meds and some fucking surgery. This is not, I don't believe that this is the issue. I think the issue is poorly educated people that are raising children. I don't, I'm not trying to say that they shouldn't have children. I'm saying they don't know enough about healthy, nutritious meals and forming a good meal and good eating habits. They just need that education. They just, nutritionally, they're ignorant. And Mm -hmm. I don't mean that in a negative way. A lot of people are. That's why we do what we do to teach people. And there's nothing wrong with that. But definitely seek out the knowledge So I think this is two things. I think, one, it's just nutritional ignorance, which that's 95% of the U.S. The U.S. is overfed and undernourished. And this is a very blaring example of that. The second thing is, is I think we have mental health issues in our children that we need to address. And I think we have seen... Undiagnosed trauma. I have... We have seen this play out with children that have grown into adulthood that have grown through tons of trauma through as from a childhood based around food and weight and you know calling people fat girl or are you really going to eat this and poking on their belly stuff that you would think that people wouldn't actually say to their children they do and they don't think about it absolutely this is causing trauma for our children that we need to heal the trauma not to mention you talk about a lot of these kids that are struggling with this just have lived through three years of COVID where we had masks on our face. We weren't leaving the houses. So now we have children that are also dealing with agoraphobic because they don't want to go outside anymore. Right. Like because they're afraid to. Mm-hmm. 
we need to address the mental health situation with our children and heal some trauma and get them active again Absolutely. before we start drugging them. Like, I no, can't. I know. And I we could go on and on and on about this just because we have such strong feelings toward this. And I truly think that this is just one step. As you see here, I mean, they're classifying, if you read this, obesity as a disease. And once it is fully classified as a disease, that just means they can throw pharmaceuticals more at pharmaceutical at us. Insurance will cover obesity alone, which as of right now, they currently do not. So if you have, say, type 2 diabetes or you have high blood pressure, they can treat that and they can throw pharmaceuticals at that. But if you are just obese and you don't have any of those underlying or those secondary diseases from that, they can't really do anything. So that means they can't make money off of you. But once this passes, once obesity is this a disease all in itself, there's just more money, unfortunately. This, this is how the system is so broken. And we've talked about this before on a podcast about my gut health, about how the system is broken. Mm -hmm. Because they don't, they don't want to label, they don't... You, you don't have a diagnosis, so they give you this umbrella diagnosis of whatever, which in this case, I believe it's going to be end up being obesity. And then they can treat your symptoms. Right. But then but the never symptoms fix you. Right. They never fix you. So then you're in the system forever. You're taking you get this medication snowball. You take one medication and then it causes side effects. But oh, you have to take that medication. So we'll give you something else to help you with those side effects and then those side effects and then those side effects. Yeah. It's very unfortunate. Now, we know there is use. Medicine is very useful. Medicine, Some people could not live without it. Medicine can be life-saving. The Absolutely. problem is, is we're it's not abused. using it appropriately anymore. Absolutely. We don't look at the root cause of anything. Right. Our healthcare system treats is sick care. It treats symptoms. It does not solve root cause. And if you want to get to the root cause of your issue, you have to pay out of pocket for it. You can't do, your insurance isn't paying for it. And your doctor can't, your doctor doesn't even know about some of these tests and some of these protocols that they can do to heal your issues because their insur your insurance won't pay for it. So they don't even know about any of them because they only do what they? the insurance companies will pay for. Yeah, because, I mean, they have to make a living too. And so they just kind of follow the playbook. Yeah, it's a sad, sad, vicious cycle, but... I mean, those are our, our thoughts on this. I mean, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Maybe you're a parent. Maybe you're in the this situation and you have a completely different way that you look at it and you'd like to share and we'd be happy to hear it. We're always open to discussion and talk and other points of view and would love to hear it. Yeah. All right, guys. I'm done. If you're done. I feel like I need to be done. Okay, I'm we're going to wrap it up. I'm over here bouncing my <laughs> knee. I'm fired up. Yeah, so we're going to wrap this up. But you guys have a good one, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Phoenix Rising. For more information on how to take charge of your fitness goals, follow me on IG or Facebook, or you can head over to KayleeMontoyaFitness.com to apply for a free coaching call today. If you have any questions you would like answered on the show, shoot me an email to KayleeMontoyaFitness at gmail.com. Don't forget to catch us on the next episode.